In a time of chaos and fear, a new super duo will rise to set the world to rights. One, a man with magical mind powers. The other, just a mashed up dude. For your salvation and entertainment, this is Doc Strange and the Dude. Hello there, and thanks for joining in for another podcast with me, Doc Strange and the Dude. Evening all. Um, it's been an interesting day. Interesting. We've just found out that uh, the furlough is going to continue until October. There won't be any changes until the end of July. Hurrah. So if you're one of the lucky people that have managed to get furloughed by your company and you're getting 80% of your uh, wages, good for you. But if you're the director of a limited company and you're the only person working for that company, i.e. me, then you're not being furloughed. And boo, that's terrible. So... How's your day, dude? What's been going on? Tell me. Well, not before I move on. I mean, there was a rumour that uh, the furlough thing was going to be reduced to 60%, but I think they're going to carry on as they are at the 80. That's, like you say, a small mercy for the people that are using that. Like you, I'm kind of, whilst I'm, I'm fortunate to have a job right now, I'm on a fixed-term contract until the end of July. So mine will run out there and because it's that type of contract i can't take advantage of the furlough either so yeah stormy seas ahead uh let's hope we become millionaires from this podcast pretty soon (laughs) the stormy seas have already been taken care of uh luckily for me i've got two daughters who have part-time jobs working as waitresses um my eldest is at uh, college my youngest has just finished school and uh, they've both been furloughed and they've been paid nice. <laughs> for their part-time jobs, which is amazing. Mm. Uh, also, my wife has, uh, she's um, self-employed and she's just been furloughed, um, which is good. Plus, we at the end of the month, we're going to be getting um, some kind of benefit or other. I don't know what they call it. No, I can't remember. What do they call it? Universal what what they give people that are signing? Yeah, that's it. Universal credit. It's a terrible name. You just call it signing on. Yeah. Dole money, social, whatever. I heard uh, today actually that there's some discussions going on about, you know, they always try and repackage things and that, but actually saying, looking at the furlough scheme, um, that actually might be a better way of doing things. So basically, say, look, you're given a job to do. If the company doesn't need you at the minute, you're furloughed and the government, you know, pays on that basis rather than it being a benefit. It's like, no, you're a, you're a, a worker. It's just at the minute there isn't any work for you. Just a better way of describing it, I think, and maybe removing some of the stigma so that you can't have the tabloid, you know, free for all of scapegoating people like we've seen over the last 10, 20 years. Uh, what you mean talking about sponges? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, as far as I'm concerned, it's the government that are sponges. It's all the, the MPs um, that have got <clears throat> businesses and, you know, they're all millionaires, all the Tory government, but yet uh, they they get all their, uh, all their bits and pieces paid for and um, I, I don't see why that is. Um, yeah, there's, there's no difference between a benefit and a tax relief for a business and a corporation. Hmm. It's the same thing. But yet people who can't get jobs are stigmatised. 
Yeah, well, I think we're looking, as I say, many people keep saying, well, you know, we don't want things to go back the way we are, the, the, the way that they were. And there's, again, lots of talk about um, a universal basic income as uh, saying, look, you know, you guarantee everybody gets, you know, between, I think it's about, at the minute, I think the early models put it at about 700 quid uh, a month, which, yeah. you know, isn't a lot, but it's, it's uh, here's an amount of money that should be a minimum, you know, amount that you can go, I can cover some very basic stuff with that. Yeah. Well, we, we, we have talked about that before, and yeah, <clears throat> I think universal credit's a great idea, but, you know, it, it, when I say the powers that be, I mean, they work for us, but yet we're being told what to do. And during this time, um, they'll realise, when I say they, I'm talking about the government, the Tory government, they will realise that it's not actually a bad thing because... Uh, People might not be working, but they're still spending. If they're getting money, they're still spending. They're still, it, it's still revolving. Have I told you that story? I don't think I've mentioned it on here before, but I got told a story about a, um, about a guy who who booked into a bed and breakfast but didn't end up staying. Did I tell you that story? No, please do. Okay, it's just a story that was given to me. Um, I'll repeat it. It's not verbatim, but it'll give you an idea. Imagine once upon a time, it's some part in, in the country, um, some little village, a, a limousine turned up. Um, and in the back of the limousine, there's some Russian oligarch and uh, he's got some kind of a meeting on. He's got to stay somewhere close by. And uh, his driver goes into this little bed and breakfast and says, um, do you have a, a good room for the night? I've, I've got this billionaire here and uh, you need somewhere to stay local and the guy said oh yeah absolutely you know I mean I can I can give you the the, the best room that we've got you know bed and breakfast and everything and you know the whole thing and he said how much is that and he said 300 pound for the night and um, but you know we'll wait on your hand and foot and the guy said well that's fantastic yeah we'll come back later I'll pay you now and uh, we'll be back this evening fantastic so um the driver gives gives the landlord or the you know the guy that owns the bed and breakfast. He gives him the three hundred pound and off he goes. Well, you know times are hard, and um, the guy that owns the bed and breakfast has got three hundred quid, and he realizes that he needs to go and pay the butcher because he's been getting meat from this guy and he hasn't paid him in a while, so he nips round to see the butcher, and he said, "Here's that three hundred quid, are you?" And the butcher's, "Oh, thanks very much. That's fantastic. Your timing couldn't have been better." The butcher contacts a friend of his who's a, a, a carpenter who's recently um, rebuilt all the shelves and everything in, in the butcher's place and uh, he owes him 300 quid and he pays that and uh, he's very happy and the carpenter uh, owes money to the guy who owns the bed and breakfast because his daughter uh, had her 21st birthday party there and he owes him 300 quid um, for some of the drinks and the, you know he had a tab on the bar. And so he goes to see the bed and breakfast guy and he's got his little pub in there and he gives him his 300 quid and he's happy. And not too long after, this Russian guy's driver turns up again and said, I'm really sorry, we've got the wrong village. Um, we're actually staying, you know, 50 miles away. Is it okay if I take the money back, you know, take the deposit? And he said, yeah, absolutely, no problem. And the bed and breakfast only gives him his 300 quid back, right? So... Yeah. Everyone's been paid. No one's got any money. Everyone's happy. Yeah. Right? Now, if the government are giving universal credit 
or whatever they call, sorry, a un, a universal income, if they give people money to basically stay at home, bring up the children, be good citizens, and they then use that money to pay bills, you know, maybe you know, buy shopping, buy food, maybe even treat themselves. This is a stimulus. It, the money's going back into the country. It's being used again. It's not like it's not like your tax avoiders, many of whom are either Tory MPs or friends of. This money's staying within the country. Yeah. Um. So I think it's a good idea. If you, if you put it in in like uh, put it in terms of like a computer game. You know, like uh, World of Warcraft, right? Something like that, where it's something that's been running for years and years and years. If you're just joining the game now, you've got no chance compared to someone that's been playing the game for ten years before you. It's a okay. case of yeah. yeah, you would give. So you've got to give the new players at least a start kit to yeah. get them going. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it, and it's that. It's just like look, you've already got the game so rigged. Is it really going to kill you to make sure that people can feed the children and keep a roof over their heads? Yes, yes. You know, dead people can't spend money, like you say. I was in a particular area of Bristol today that I had to go and do an errand, and um, I found that social distancing was quite difficult. Um, I went into a shop. I saw a girl there. She must have been maybe 17, and she had a child with her. Uh, He was about three yeah. Now I looked at this girl and I just what went through my head is how on earth do you manage? How how are you getting on? I mean, whether you have kids younger or whatever, it's got nothing to do with me and I wasn't judging. I just looked at her and I just thought, how are you managing? Are you living at home with your parents? You, you know, do you have your own place? You know, what, are you having to sign on because that is a degrading exercise? And I just thought, what? You know how 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 does anybody manage when they've got nothing? I was homeless for twelve years, um, in the eighties and nineties, um, and you know sometimes it was okay, sometimes it was horrible, uh, sometimes I managed to go to a sunny country, sometimes I was on the streets in London. Um, I've had all kinds of experiences. You, it seems to me now it's even harder for people. It's harder. I couldn't imagine being on the streets now. I, I couldn't imagine having to fend for myself now, even though I am fending for myself. I've got my wife, my daughters. We're all, you know, we're working together to help each other. But I think we need a more caring society and we certainly need a government that's happy to help. And I think Rishi Sunak is doing a really good job. He seems to be the only one mm. that is holding this government together because Boris Johnson's a complete waste of time. Uh, he just looks like he, he looks like like a muppet, like like somebody's, like he's got a puppeteer behind him. I can't imagine who that would be. Well, Dominic Cummings. Yeah, and everybody else, you know, Rab or Patel, or, they're all they're all useless and they're hateful. They're not good people. Let, let's take a let's take a positive though from this week is that we did. I mean, after the dis, absolute disaster. That was Boris Johnson's speech to the nation on Monday, yeah. you know, trying to clarify what the new rules were. It was a car crash. Absolutely. Like the the, the the new branding switch is totally irresponsible. Why you would even think about changing it, you know, from from 
stay at home, stay safe, save the NHS, to stay alert about what? 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 what yeah. What, what, what do I need? Night vision goggles to see what? What am I? What am I looking for? Am I sticking my head around corners and? What, what am I? What, do I need a magnifying glass? What am I looking for? What, what am I staying alert for? So after after that, we the next night though we had the response from the leader of the opposition and Steimer, Keir Steimer. Oh my God! Wow! Yeah. Talk about let let's have a politician again. Yeah. Someone that can do the job. Someone Look, that looks qualified. Someone that looks like they could actually save some lives. People have been slated. When I say people, I mean. Uh, Cummins bots on Twitter, they've yep. been giving him our time. As soon as he got into office, well, not office, as soon as he got voted the, the Labour leader, and you and I were fans of Keir Starmer for some time, and that's not to say that we don't love Corbyn, because we do, but Corbyn's gone, and the fact is, Keir Starmer is an excellent QC. He has, he has, yep. he has worked um, in the legal industry i don't know what i'm talking about he, he you know he's been in and out of court like you don't know and he's had to put his case across and my god he is absolutely brutal with i mean just he is prepared and and he's oh, yeah. calm he's talking about a man that's taken on both not only tory governments but also he took on labor governments while they were in power yeah as a you know a member of the labor party oh. he was like no we've got this wrong and he, you know, he, yeah. he challenged them on big oh, issues. Oh, but what about He's... Jimmy Savile, though? He let Jimmy Savile go. Yeah, what a nonsense. Isn't it? It really is. Yeah. It's I mean, an absolute nonsense. It's like, what, what Thatcher had Christmas dinner with? Him. Yeah, what Jimmy Savile, the about? friend of the Tory party, the friend of Margaret Thatcher. Oh, but Keir Starmer let him go. Actually, he wanted to make sure that he had enough evidence. And at the time, there wasn't yeah. enough evidence because the only evidence they've got is from victims, uh, uh, eyewitness testimony, and they didn't have that at the I time. Was his, I was his bank manager. Is it my fault? I, I was a, I was a seven-year-old boy who, who when I met him, said to me, um, I, I, did, I did magic. He saw me doing magic. Um, I, didn't, I didn't win this little competition that was in, and Jimmy Savile came to me and said, you were very good, son. Keep it up, and you'll do well. And uh, he was kind. And uh, a friend of mine said, you know, well, you were always an ugly child. Um, you know, so Gosh. maybe I dodged a bullet. But the fact is, um, <laughs> even even evil can be uh, nice sometimes, you know. And um, that's not to say that he didn't do what he did, because obviously he did. Uh, but y- evil people can still be nice, you know. I mean, I'm sure Jeffrey Dahmer, as much as he loved uh, uh, eating people, didn't eat everybody and probably helped an old lady across the road every now and again. You know, it, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Even Hitler was a vegetarian. So, you know, you can you can be kind, um, you know, before you go and do something evil. But, yeah. Um, well, we strayed a while I know there, we did, we? yeah. But, anyway, what I'm saying is, is Keir Starmer, the way, the way that he dealt with... That and there was nothing that Boris could do. I mean, you know, he wanted he he, yeah. he didn't want to see, um, you know, the 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 graphs from other countries, but yet that's what they'd been using, you know, to say, well, here's the statistics. Oh yeah, well, we're not interested in that. Well, apparently you have been, and oh my God, I mean, uh, the guy in the Guardian, I can't remember who the reporter was, but he said something like Keir Starmer stood there calmly dissecting um, 
Boris Johnson with a stiletto in his hand. Yeah, if you've if I mean, if you tune in and watch Prime Minister's Question Time now, it's fascinating yeah. because Bor- Boris is is used to being able to bluster his way through things yeah. with and the, with the, the you know the rowdy schoolboy choir <laughs> of backbenchers behind him giving. <laughs> him <a> rah, rah, <laughs> rah, rah, rah. And because of social distancing and that, and them working right. from home and being on Zoom, yeah. there's none of that. No, it's just like and the so school bully. Bo- the school bully he doesn't yeah, have his so mates when, behind him. When he comes out with some figure, or, or rather, Starmer will come at him with a figure, and he'll go come out with his normal. Well, you can throw these figures about, like and exp- like, and you can see him literally turn around. He physically turns around to look for the support that's no longer yeah, there. Yeah. And then you see the panic in his eyes. And he looks back to Starmer who will go, Yeah, they're the figures you announced yesterday. Yeah. Like yeah. and he will just rip him apart. Yeah, it's just and it's amazing. like, my God, this is before we've got the full front bench oh, yeah. of new female Labour MPs like Oh yeah. You know, that that Again, he's can't wait terrified to see that. of women. Yeah, I can't wait for no. it. To, so whilst I'm enjoying, it's like a chorus school, line. <laughs> yeah, when, when I'm in, when, whilst I'm enjoying the new peaceful format of of the Commons, yeah. that it's not that rowdy bullshit that it used to be. Yeah, equally, I am missing. I, I do hunger for, to see the bullpit moment where <sighs> Boris has to face these really talented, committed, fierce women yeah. that he's just not going to have a clue yeah. how to deal with. It's going to be such a popcorn moment and it's the thing that's getting me through lockdown at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, just just the way um, just the way he deals with he's, he's questioning, but he, it's like it's like a parent that knows a child has done something Yeah, and the parent gives the child a chance to fess up and the kid lies <laughs> and the parents just got all the evidence. Yeah. And the more the kid lies, the, oh, you, what you mean this? And it's like, the, the, he is so good at pulling a case together. Uh, that you, the thing is, Boris blusters. Boris makes it up on the spot. He bullshits. He lies. He doesn't bother learning his lines. I mean, that's why you know his speech the other night had to be pre-recorded. Because they filmed that so that they could put it out there. They couldn't do that live. There's no way he could do it live because he's full of shit. He'd have wandered off talking about Prometheus or something else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he'd come out with some nonsense. It's like, did you see? It was while he was while he was in uh, Parliament, I think, uh, yesterday, he was suddenly... He, he, did a bumble and as if to suggest that COVID might be in the water system, and all the water over. and all the water companies had to put out safety announcements saying, "No, you're fine to keep drinking tap water. There's no COVID in the tap water." Jesus, that's a that's a Trump moment, you know? Yeah, like that, like like saying it's okay to drink bleach, and you know, people in New York, well, wherever, have died because they've been drinking bleach. I mean, yeah. Let's not even let's not even start about Trump. But out of the two countries in the whole world that promised to change everything for the better, both of these leaders have turned out to be snake oil salesmen yeah. and two of the worst people possible to run any country. I wouldn't even let them run a shop. No. You know, the 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 two of them. Well, I wouldn't let them run the taps. <laughs> no, don't let them run the tap. I mean. 
we've obviously you know this week as well we've passed through the period of the the ve day celebrations or not quite as many people have died of covid as they did during the blitz a seven month attack from the luftwaffe who managed to bomb and terrorize the whole country for seven months during world war Two, and those people really really suffered and what they went through was horrendous yeah. and forty five thousand people died but yet in the space of a couple of months, quietly, nearly 31,000 people have died in peacetime in the United Kingdom and nothing has been done. It's like sending soldiers to war in their socks and underpants and nothing else. Well, we're going to get and there before the how the NHS month, Mark, have managed. That figure will definitely Oh, yeah. Oh, bridge. God, yeah. We're going, to get there. We're going to get there in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. To be honest, I am surprised that we haven't reached that uh, number, but we have all been looking after ourselves and staying away from each other. When I say we, I took me, you, and anybody that's got half a brain has stayed away, but other people seem to think that, oh, no, the government wants to control us. They want us to stay inside our homes. They don't want us out there. They've got this weird conspiracy theory that the government's trying to control us like some Orwellian nightmare and in fact all they're doing is trying to cover their their backs because they know they screwed up in the first place yeah. and they didn't do everything sooner and now they put the onus on the people to stay at home well what have they done now they're saying well you can go out if you use your common sense well common sense isn't something that is is available to the majority of the british public they are the ones that voted for brexit there is no common sense. Well, the the rules themselves are, are contradictory. I mean, like the classic one that's been under discussion a lot today is the one regarding childminding. So it says that you can hire like a nanny to come to your house and look after your kid whilst you're working from home, right? But you can't... Let, you can't have a family member. You can't have a family member come and do the same role. Now... No. That's more dangerous because that one nanny, if she sees one kid yeah. that's got it, she's going to spread it to every kid she sees. Where if it's your own one, yep. you're only doing a one-to-one spread. So As I hate to say this, uh, and but I'm going to say it for the record, Piers Morgan, who's somebody that I have never been a fan of, I have always thought that he was a hideous human being, has actually, and this just shows what a weird world we're living in, yeah. He's actually becoming the guy that's holding this government to account. Yeah. Now, he might have realised that he's been scraping the barrel for so long that maybe he needs to join the side of the righteous and the good. Uh, maybe he's had some kind of road to Damascus uh, happening in his life. But whatever it is that's happened, he's doing a fantastic job just showing these charlatans for what they are. And um, fair play to him. But he, his question was... Uh, can my sons come to visit me? I've not seen them in two weeks. And Edwina Curry said no. And uh, and he said, well, can my cleaner come round and clean my house? And she said yes. And he said, well, what if my son comes to clean my house? Can he can he do that? And she said yes, of course, if he's going to clean your house. And then she realised what she'd said. Yeah. And then he had to beat it out of her. And I thought, no, fair play. Why can't his son come over? If it, it, look, the what I was going to get to is. Right now, this government, the Tory government, are completely out of their depth. They've listened to the wrong people for too long. And now they've gone back to herd immunity. 
And what they're doing now is saying to the people, well, you know, use your common sense. We know they haven't got any, not all of them, you know, the majority, 52%, whatever it was. Um, and what's going to happen is in two weeks' time, we're going to see a rising. There's going to be a spike of, of corona cases and the government will then go, well, we... We did tell you to be careful. We did tell you to be alert. We did tell you that we had to beat the COVID. Why have you all been going out to the beach and doing whatever? And they're gonna, they're not gonna accept the blame. And it, then the the onus will be passed on to us. Yeah, I mean to pick up on a couple of bits that you mentioned there. I mean, firstly, in terms of those TV interviews and Piers Morgan, I agree. I mean. I'm seeing a couple of those clips because other people on Twitter retweet them and that, but I'm blocked by him myself because I've called him out too many times. Even um, Philip Philip Schofield lost it this week, saying, "Really? Yeah, saying, look, this advice by the government is confusing, and the people just need someone to lay it out clearly for them and send someone on our show to talk to us and clarify this position." And that was very telling, I thought, because, yeah, as you say. Piers Morgan's talking to Edwina Curry. When was the last time she was a front bench minister? John Major's yeah, yeah, she's government. Not. She's, got, she's not even a Tory party no. member, is she? Andrew Bridgen. Well, he's just a backbencher that was noisy because of Brexit. Same with your Marc Francois and those when he pops yeah, because up. They're, that's, because they're, that's because the Tory MPs are frightened to go yeah, on there now. That's what I mean. There's no on the front bench. Other, you know, the poor old Matt. Is Hancock is the only thing I feel sorry for him about is being is the one that's being pushed out for everything, but there are plenty of other ministers that should be up stepping up and going and answering questions and 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 telling the con- the country what they're doing. Yeah, you know if you're if you're a front bench minister, what is your department doing for the future of this country? Because every one of you is in charge of a key part of the infrastructure of this country, whether it's business or education or health or whatever. Yeah. What are you doing? Even like, and especially like to be looking at the, you mentioned Brexit, to be looking at the Brexit negotiations with such flippancy. Disdain. Yeah, yeah, flippancy. Yeah. Uh, and jeopardising the the relationships we had and want going forward to, to guarantee our supply lines of medicines, of food, energy, yep. everything. Then how can we be so obstinate in, in particularly in a, a pandemic of this nature? And also, like I say, it beggars belief. Yeah, and in respect of um, you know the kind of the lockdown and the figures and so forth. Well, we keep saying that you know this is an unprecedented event, but it's not. You know, there's plenty of pandemics in our history oh, yeah. that you can see and the effects and what happened. And there was tons of examples of places that come out of lockdown. The last one was 20 years ago. That You know, in, in our lifetime, yeah. you know, we've had SARS, with bird flu, Ebola. Yeah. So you can you can look back to things, some of the bigger ones in our history, and go, you can see examples of places like where, I think San Francisco during one of them came out too early and, and, and you know, they had a, a, a massive second spike. In the Spanish flu, I think. Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Philadelphia um, came out too early. They had some big expo on, and 180,000 people or something like that, or maybe more, went, and uh, and it went through the roof. Yeah. Which, uh, Philadelphia and Baltimore. And it makes yeah. me wonder now what we've just done this last weekend, Bank Holiday weekend with this VE day, where mm. we've had people congering down the street, sat crammed next to each yeah. other doing oops upside your head. Sat on the gravel, yeah, you know, yeah, all 
all in. I mean, one the thing is, look, when have we ever celebrated VE Day? Never. When? So it's like some weird kind of patriotism where they're sticking out the flags. I mean, you get it with football. You know, World Cup or whatever, and yeah. you know, you see all the all the 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 uh, George crosses everywhere, and I always thought that was a bit sad and pathetic. But you know, whatever. If it shows you're supporting your team, or, or you know, if you want to be patriotic, not that football or a football team winning has got anything to do with patriotism. It's pathetic, but you know, whatever. If it makes you happy, that's fine. But if you're putting out Union Jacks. And yet you voted for Brexit and you voted for Tory and you stood there surrounded with Union Jacks clapping at eight o'clock on a Thursday night. Well, I'm sorry, you're a fucking idiot because, you know, you voted for this shit yeah. and you're surrounded by flags that if the way we're going in the next five years, there is not going to be a union, a, a, a United Kingdom. And, and those flags won't mean anything. The clapping thing is interesting. When it started, you know, weeks, first couple of weeks, I was there clapping with everybody else. And then it started as the numbers of, of deaths started to rise and particularly care workers and doctors starting to pass on. It just didn't feel right anymore, you know. And I, It doesn't feel right. It feels trite. Right, exactly that. And I was like, mm, no, it's, it's like it, it's becoming... A symbol of I'm not doing enough and I stopped doing yeah. it and I could feel the looks from a few on the street as because I'd, I'd look yeah. out the window but I could feel the looks coming back to the house of people yeah, checking down the street who's not clapping and it was mm. that felt bad but now I look out and I look at the people still clapping and yeah. I'm thinking you're trying to exercise some guilt with that applause yeah. That's not about support anymore. That's about mm. confession. Yeah, almost. I'm going to clap louder so my neighbours who are still sat inside can hear me. Yeah, but it's a, to alleviate. Oh, their I, own I'm better not. than you. It's not. It's nothing to do. It's not to do with. Well, me, it may. Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Occam's razor, isn't it? I mean, mm. yeah. You know, they they could be doing that. Uh, I mean, I, that's why we talk about these things because I didn't see it from that point of view. But you're right. Yeah, they could be guilty and they're clapping to try and hide that guilt. But all they need to do really to hide that guilt is the next general election is not vote for the fucking Tories. Yeah. But who do they vote for? Well, you know, people have said this phrase, you can't vote for Jeremy Corbyn. I don't like him because all they've done is read the shit in the newspapers that have been putting him down. And I still think Jeremy would have been great, but we've got Keir Starmer and he is showing himself to be amazing. So Go on. the next general election comes along. What's the attack line that they can use this time? Because it's not going to be Labour, Labour will just borrow money without knowing how to repay it because they've had to do no. that to deal with Corona. It's not going to be, you can't trust Labour with the NHS, they'll let your grandma die on a hospital floor because that's what they've just done through this. So Yeah, you can't vote Labour because they're going to raise taxes. I mean, as soon as this is over, first thing they're going to do is raise taxes and go, well, we've got to pay for it somehow. Yeah. Oh, you've got to pay for all that paper you printed. Boris is still, at the minute, saying we're never going back to austerity, and every time he does, Rishi, Rishi Sunak goes pale. You know, you yeah. see the blood draining from his face. He's like, "We're going to have to." <laughs> he actually looked Scottish when he when when he said that. I thought, "My God, he's 
he's gone blue. <laughs> yeah, quite. But also, you know, like you say, the last line of attack at the last general election, it was all about attacking Jeremy and saying, look what a disaster that would be. Again, you, you can't paint Keir Starmer as the friend of terrorists. He was a former attorney general. Yeah, and, and also, you know. looking at Keir as well, he's not. people have said, why why is he not asking about Brexit negotiations? Why is he not giving him more time about that? Because now is not the time. The, you know, the, and I... He doesn't want to be seen as as the guy bringing up Brexit because we all know it needs to be brought up. But you know what? Th- this government are going to have to come to a, a sensible decision soon, which is there's no way this withdrawal agreement can happen in December. It you know either we move it on a few years or or we talk about joining the EU again because if nothing, this whole COVID thing has shown how. Communication and cooperation is really, really important. I'm, I'm a hardcore Remainer, obviously, till the day I die. As am I. But I think what the position I think that Keir is in is, as we, you know, knew from a long time ago, is that the the Corbyn strategy seemed to be, once the the Brexit thing came along, is was almost like um, the opposite of it was disaster socialism. Let the Tories break everything to the point that people will say we need to start again and rebuild it and and have a more left-wing way of doing things. Now, yeah. that was the time where we should have been fighting because there was time to change the minds of the people and go, don't believe this nonsense and this is how we use the infrastructure in place to make things better. Now, you know, Brexit's been triggered it's it's a legal fact that it's going to happen and so therefore why Keir i think is right and and you know we heard him we heard this from the horse's mouth himself we you know we went to see him speak and i asked him directly about it yeah. like you know yeah uh, we and, and we've got that on video yeah and and he you know took the question and he he looked you know looked me in the eye and gave me an answer of saying is it the fight for now you know do we want to keep Given the you know, given them the ammunition of this, or yes. do we deal with the problems now that are going to be facing people in real terms now, whilst the Tories are messing all of this up? And I think he's yeah. he's recognised that he's stuck with that plan of riding out this disaster. Yeah, for the next now. five years, yeah. Uh, so, and at the so, end so when it, the next general election, he can put through a manif- a a manifesto that isn't overcrowded, that's believable, yeah. like the last one. You know, no tagging on the free broadband bullshit that they did last time and messing Look, that up. And if you're going to be a good comedian, right, you have to relate to your audience yeah. or rather your audience has to relate to you. Now, you can go out there telling jokes about backpacking in Bali, right, or, or you know, whatever or, yeah, you know, but if people have never done that, they they really have to use their imagination to find it funny. So... The comedians that do well are people that are in tune with their audience and they can talk about things that they can all relate to. And that's why they do really well. Michael McIntyre, Billy Connolly, uh, people like that, you know, they, they do a, a fantastic... And that's not to say I think Michael McIntyre... I was going to say, I've never them near As good as Billy Connolly. Because <laughs> Billy, Billy Connolly is an absolute god. I mean, Michael McIntyre is 
great. He's a nice guy, uh, a good comedian and everything. But, you know, I'm just saying that it, from one end, it, personally, George Carlin and Bill Hicks are my comedy gods. And Les Dawson. Always got to mention Les Dawson. Yes. But, uh, you know, the the thing is, they spoke to me, they communicated to me, whether you listen to Bill Hicks, and he's, he was American, it, we, we, Texan, we're talking about the 1980s. Uh, he was doing comedy that really resonated. It was all about the government and war and pornography and drugs and this uh, that people could get, right? But, you know, the stuff he was saying was really eye-opening to a lot of people. Whereas Michael McIntyre is not actually telling you anything that you you don't already know. He's not opening your third eye. He's just making you laugh because you know what it feels like to try and get kids out the door. Yeah. You know, or go up in the loft or he's junk drawer. What it it's things that everybody can relate to, but it's not good it's not gonna open up your third eye. Yeah. Um, you know, Bill Hicks said you know, and I'll paraphrase. You know, life is a a roller coaster ride. You have ups and downs. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's scary. But the one thing you know, it's just a ride. And that that's paraphrased. Um, but you know, look it up. Bill Hicks, just a ride. Fantastic. Um. So yes, what else was I going to talk to you about this week? So yeah, job wise. I've done the switch, obviously, from retail to web support, which has been enlightening. Um, if you've ever had to phone up to a call centre and that, and uh, done one of those text interactions, at the end you get a little survey. Now, a lot of people, because you're raging about something and you're frustrated you've been on a call centre waiting queue for a certain amount of time, you know, you'll just tend to ram a zero, screw you, buddy, uh, response on that. Uh, yeah, well, I've suddenly re- obviously realised doing the job that that's not a bot. That that report is about someone like me. If you're trying to, you know, stick one up to the man, as it were, uh, just remember there's a little guy at the other end of that survey. Um, but also, on the flip side, my word, people are impatient. Uh, and not the cleverest when they're stressed. I'll give you that. Everyone laughs at the concept when you hear the question, have you tried turning it off and on again? Yeah. You'd be astounded at how many people haven't tried that before they phone up Turn to say it's up, broken. Yeah. yeah. A phenomenal amount. It's actually in the box. When they deliver the... the I'm not going to say the name of your company... Yeah, I, well, okay, so we're talking about dealing with the public and, and, you know, when they've got to complain about something. I ran a business for uh, quite a long time, glowgadgets.com limited. That was my my company. I used to sell glow sticks and torches and ended up selling night vision equipment um, to certain <laughs> certain people. Uh, all, legal, uh, all legal and above board. Um but then the credit crunch happened, and uh, yeah, that that's why I ended up going into doing the the kids stuff and that. Anyway, my point is, is that uh, I used to deal with a lot of people who had a lot of complaints, and it was the the whole complaint thing that really made me say, "I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not dealing with the with with the public like this." You know, people take me exactly as I am, but I'm not having all this. Um, 
complaining. I used to sell a thing called the Dayway, which was like a a kid's version of a Segway. Uh, but it was nothing like a Segway. It, was, it, it had three wheels for one thing, and they'd stand on this platform and drive around on it. And uh, I sold loads of them. I had, I had the website and everything. I was I was like first person to have them in this country, and I sold bloody loads of them. And I'd ship them over from Spain, and it'd, I'd fill my garage with this big box that was 20 kilos, and you had to put the whole thing together yourself. Um, and... Loads of kids got them on on Christmas. I think it was like two thousand eight Christmas, two thousand eight, and um, they'd be riding round. You could only ride round in your house on it. You couldn't like go in the street because it was this big plastic thing with plastic. It was you know like a kid's electric car, but a stand up thing. Well, the amount of people that would ring me up and and they'd be like, you know, uh, we go back. My son goes back to school next week. Is he going to be able to ride it to school? Well, how far do you live from the school? How big is your kid? How are you are serious? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because this thing, it was about two foot wide, you know. So, Or um, we're going on holiday. Will we be able to put this in the hand luggage? <laughs> what? It's a thing you ride on. Or... My my, I'm not sure if my son's too big for it. How old is he? He's twelve. Oh, I'm sure he'll be fine. How heavy is he? Uh, what was it? Uh, hundred hundred and five kilograms, something like that. Right? I see. He he's twelve. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm like. 79 kilograms. I'm a, well, I was going to say a full-grown man. I'm not on my short ass, but I'm half a grown man. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ. But I had to deal with this all the time. I had one guy that used to buy, sometimes he'd buy four or five torches off me, and then he'd send four back because he wanted the one that's got the most white light. And he'd compare them all. He'd shine them all on a white wall and, He'd have the one that was the whitest because some were a little bit blue, some a bit yellow. You know, it's LEDs. It's the way. But no, he had to have the whitest. And you would think, oh, great, I've sold five torches. These were 50 quid a pop or more, you know. And then I've got to refund him. Well, I've already spent that. I have to deal with people like that all the time. You should have used the um, lock, stock and two smoking barrels trick. And so you take the money in from Glow Gadgets, but you you write the refund checks from... uh, a sister company called something like Big Floppy Cock Dildos Incorporated. So, so he, doesn't, he doesn't cash the cheque because he doesn't want that on his bank statement. That's fucking hilarious. I don't, yeah, I don't remember that. A positive, um, a positive retail story perhaps for us to wind up on is... Uh, yeah, go on. A friend of mine, um, Claire, runs a, a little jewellery company. And I heard that she was doing... Um, some Zoom marketing the other day. So I said, oh, what's that? Can I come and have a look? And so I did. And uh, she just set up, like we are chatting now, sort of, you know, a little room in her house. She's got some shelves behind her with her jewellery on sort of thing. And she'd opened up a, like I say, a Zoom room so she could have up Come to... in and have a look at my jewellery. Exactly. And then she had it also linked up to her phone. So if you wanted a close-up, she could zoom in with a, with her phone and give you a, a close-up of individual items and stuff. Ooh. Um, I was really impressed. 
And 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 in talking about you know the future of retail and stuff, given that you know public spaces are now no longer really desirable, you know that you because yeah, when people are doing assessments of of you know how much space do you need to do things with social distancing, it's massive. Yeah. Um, my wife works for the university, and she was saying that you know they'd been looking at how many students can you get in this lecture hall, you know, with social distancing and whatever. And instead of 300 students, it was like 25. So they're like, yeah. well, that ain't going to work. So they're, they're going to have to shift a lot of the lecturing to being online because that's the only way that you'll be able to safely do it. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I'm doing the same thing with my shows. I've yeah. got people that are but, but for uh, retail, contacting me. And I've, I thought it was very yeah. interesting because obviously a big department store, like, you know, your, your, your Marks and Spencers or, or whatever, they're not going to do that. But... The gap in the market is therefore for the individual, for the the, the small guy. To they're not going to you know become the next Marks and Spencers, but in terms of individuals that can find enough business to just tick over and make a living, yeah, it might be a change in the retail model for that way to return back to the small tradesperson. I don't know, maybe. I, I've I've always enjoyed um, smaller shops. You know, I, I I mean, you go on Gloucester Road in Bristol. And, you know, that's the longest independent street in Britain. Uh, and you can go there and you can go to all kinds of shops that, that have got everything. It's, I love it. It's yeah. it's my favourite. Me too. You know, I, I, there's nothing I love more. And it doesn't even have to be a sunny day, but if it's sunny, it's great. And you start right at the end, like uh, near the bear pit, and you start walking up that way. And uh, everything that's going on and the fantastic, I just absolutely love it. It was one of the, it's the, it's the first thing I did when I came to Bristol was walk up Gloucester Road. Um, I was off my tits. Um, <laughs> at like f- four o'clock well. in the morning, <laughs> yeah, and that was it. And and everybody, I met all kinds of people on the way. You know, homeless people, drunk people, giving me a joint. Just it was just amazing. Um, yeah, I was going to say something anyway. Uh, I'm going to throw something at you. This is completely uh, weird, but Mother's Day in America hmm. was was it yesterday? The day before irrelevant and um one of my friends is a guy who i met when i was in dominica um and he is a, a, a taxi driver what he does is he um meets the cruise ships and you know gets people in his his little bus and he drives them around and shows them dominica which is a fucking fabulous country and the people are great love it um and uh yeah he, he um Drives people around anyway. We, you know, we we swap business cards and we said we'd keep in touch, and we have, and we've been Facebook friends now for the last two and a half years uh, since I was there. And um, anyway, he sent me an invite to watch this uh, woman singing. She's a Dominican singer, uh, and she was singing for Mother's Day. Well, I, well, I thought I'll have a look. Because I mean, I love the soccer music. I love all that. I I just I just love it. Not not necessarily reggae. I like reggae, but this is like speeded up dancehall. You know, I mean, it, it's it's really it's like it's like house music. Um, like um, what do you call it? hard house music, but 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 reggae kind of thing. Okay. Anyway, he shared this link, and this I'm going to tell you her name now. I'm going to tell you her website. You've got to check her out, right? She's called Carolyn XP. But it, it, the name's spelt weird, so I'm going to 
it looks like Carly, C-A-R-L-Y, N-X-P dot com. Okay. But she's called Carlin, so it's actually C-A-R-L-Y-N, Carlin, X-P dot com. She did a Zoom show, was broadcasting her, and I'm guessing it's her partner or, you know, a, a, a musical... Um, manager, keyboarder, whatever he stood behind her, and they, they, they got the music playing, and it's being streamed. But it's being streamed, and the people that are watching it are being brought in. So their screens, like like the, the their webcams being brought up. Yeah. So one minute it's her dancing, mm-hmm. and then the next it's hey, it's Jim and Alice in the living room, yeah. right? And you know some people will be caught on the words, and they just stand there picking the nose, and oh, and then they start dancing to her singing. It it was brilliant because it got to her and then it got to one of them and it got to and then once they realised that they were going to be in on it, the next they're all waiting to be on and then they're all like, hey! and there's all these people in Dominica, some might have been in other islands or wherever, but I just loved how she did that and I'm I'm going to contact her and you know I think I've already told her, but how she managed to not only entertain people through. Facebook, she was doing it through um, YouTube and Zoom Twitch. and another, yeah, all these, right? And it was all live and it was all going. She was broadcasting herself all over the place and she did, I think they were all her own songs. Uh, you know, some of it I was like, mm, but I got into it. And I thought, my God, this woman's a really amazing entertainer. She's obviously got a... You know, even she had ticker tapes running across the bottom. You know, send your donations. Visit the website. I mean, it was... You know, she'd have... She was inside this frame that had her email address and her Facebook and her Twitter, right? Just everything, all about it. It was like, oh, my God. I, I don't know who set her up, but just phenomenal. So... I'm going to leave on a very positive note that there are entertainers out there mm-hmm. who are willing to entertain you in your own home, whether it's your children's birthday, whether it's your wedding or anniversary, engagement. You just want to have a laugh. It's a business meeting. There's people doing it. I've got really good friends that are really amazing. Like An amazing magician is Elliot Bibby up in Scotland. Elliot does fantastic magic, and he's doing it on the screen. So he's doing close-up magic, and you're right there. He's doing stuff that he could do on a stage, but for you in your home. I do it. I do it with the kids' stuff, and I also do a spirit theatre where you can join me, and we can get in touch with our spooky sides, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh I do the stuff for the kids. I even do the hypnosis. And right now, I'm doing shows for people who work for the NHS for nothing. So if the NHS or uh, emergency services, I do shows for free online because I'm very, very, very grateful, not just now for the NHS. I have always been grateful. If it wasn't for the NHS, I wouldn't be here. I was in an incubator. I was born at, I think it was four four pounds, four ounces, and I was in an incubator for six weeks, right? I was premature. I wouldn't have been here, you know, with my eczema and my 
asthma and you know even my hernia operation or you know my knee all these things that have been done and healed by the nhs i've always been so grateful and felt like there's nothing i can do to show my appreciation yeah and here we are now and just to see everybody finally appreciating or showing their appreciation and um yeah, so I'm grateful, and that's why I'm happy to do shows. If I can help in any way, I will do. But I also need to make a living, so I also do shows for mere mortals who can pay or donate whatever they can afford. You know. Good. So let's uh, well let's let's give you a, let's give a shout out now then. So how can people contact you if they want to book for a show or they want to get in touch with you about you know oh kids party or okay whatever? well. Yeah, well, thanks. Uh, well, I, all right. I never, I never thought of doing that. But uh, you can find me at comedymagicshow.co.uk. Dead easy. Comedymagicshow.co.uk. Uh, you got Chris Doc Strange on there. That's me. You've all got Crispy T and Christian P Taylor. Same guy. Three different uh, ways of uh, appearing to the public. Okay, well, that probably wraps up another week of Doc Strange and the Dude. I've been the Dude, and you? Doc Strange. There we go. Thanks again for listening to these two old boys rambling (laughs) on and trying to put the world to rights. If you want to catch up, as I say, you can find me at Holy Mole on Twitter, or you can find Chris... At Chris Doc Strange on Twitter, uh, or uh, Crispy T Magician on Instagram or TikTok. But uh, for goodness sake, don't mention Chris Doc Strange. So treat yourself to a party. Why not? You're locked down. You're not doing anything else. Till next time. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the uh, the next show. Bye for now. Keep safe. Uh, bye bye now. Bye bye. the nation here we go oh look boris is giving a speech on tv you really can't stray but boris it's nice outside no jollies away boris it's great outside this lockdown has been i'm thinking reopening very tough Maybe for some, it's not so tough. The people will start to wonder. Boris, you're jumping a thunder. Parliament wants me on the floor. Listen to the golf course call. Better not hurry. Boris, please don't worry. It should be just a week or two more. Get some balls, we'll open it the all. The neighbors all clap. But Boris, it's fab out there. But not for this chap. No need for concern out there. I wish I knew how. Your streets are like ghost towns now. End this hell. Just get your hat. My hair looks swell. To say no, no, no trouble. Your country's a dump. At least they'll say that I nearly died. What's the sense in hurting my pride? Really must stay. Boris, don't hop back. Maybe it's good outside. Get that floppy head clown on the phone. Boris! Oh, hello, Donald. What the hell are you playing at? 
must stop. But Boris, it's good outside. The, the figures won't drop. Boris, it's good outside. This handling has been how lucky that we dropped in. Total mess. Block out the media. Fudge the rest. The papers will be suspicious. Tell Rupert he's delicious. The NHS will be on the floor. Corona made you a real bore. Starmer's mind is vicious. Wow, this bleach is delicious. But maybe if I work a bit more. We never tried injecting before. We've got to stay home. But Boris, you'll starve out there. Well then, throw me a bone. I don't think we've got spare. Said, take a stand. I don't even wash my but, hands. But don't you see? I only listen to me, me, me. There's bound to be deaths tomorrow. Oh, boo hoo, yada yada, sorrow. At least there'll be plenty implied. No one caught Corona and died. We really should stay. Get over that old doubt. Maybe it's good. the domestos if you need clarity in a world gone mad you can tweet at chris doc strange or at holy mole doc strange and the dude is a strange mole production